Thank you to our three sponsors for supporting our podcast. John Russell's Art Caterers and Milltown Pies, who offer fantastic catering services. Alexander Grace Law, who provide modern and client-led legal services. And SBE Furnishings, who offer high-quality furnishings and electrical items at fantastic prices. Remember being knocked out against Burnley when the ball hit me on my head? Can't remember that, Joe. Well, you like... possibly can't remember it, but I don't know. <laughs> it was uh, Corbus of Bowl one, and uh, I think Barrett had sort of nicked it down the leg side and a dive full length, and it went straight through the middle of my hands, as it usually does. Sparked out, Bless. <laughs> it doesn't take a lot to spark it out either, though. <laughs> you just started talking a lot of nonsense, Joe, but no one could tell. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Housecast. This is a, one of a number of episodes that we've done over the past few weeks. Today's episode is a slightly special episode, I would say, in that we're going to be discussing the 2014 season when we won the championship. I have three guests that played in that season, all legends. So as I said, we've got three guests on today who played in that season and played a really valuable part. First one is Chris Blazard. Hey. Needs no introduction. Thanks, Joseph. Right. No problem, Blaz. Uh, the second one is Patrick Martin. How are you, Patrick? Wonderful, thanks, Joe. Thanks for the full name as well. No problem. And the last one was our professional for the year, and we're really happy to have him on, in that it was Corbus Pinar. And is Corbus Pinar. How are you, Corbus? Very well, thanks, Joe. Thanks for hosting us, and thanks for having me. Uh, it's quite cold here in South Africa at the moment. We're heading into winter now, and obviously we're back at school now with the COVID thing. Starting to get back slowly but surely, but um, always good to catch up with you guys and definitely um, enjoy talking about some memories we made in 2014 as well. And likewise, Corbus, I'm uh, really excited to talk about these because I was actually involved in some of these ones, so it should be should be good. Blaise, how are you? Very well. Out in the garden. I've got a cleaner cleaner visit this morning. I know the time slightly got missed in the in the midst of South Africa English time that you've. Uh, had to get up at 6.30 to make this possible. <laughs> I mean, geography and time zones aren't my forte, bless. As many things aren't, I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you there. Hello, Patrick. This is uh, slightly strange in that you sat upstairs. Um, <laughs> Very much so, yeah. <laughs> as opposed to near Law House in South Africa. How are you getting on in the lockdown? Uh, interesting question, Joe, really, because you know everything that I've done. So it feels a bit bizarre telling you. Uh, but... I am fine, not doing very much in work today at school, so can't wait for that. Oh, fantastic. Well, that sounds like you're excited to do that. <laughs> Hopefully so, we don't run on too long. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're only discussing a full season, it should be fine. So, as I said, we're going to discuss the uh, 2014 season. This was the first season after uh, Francois' successful tenure as pro, and we were looking to carry on success with a a new professional in Corbus Pinar. So Corbus, you signed the contract, you arrived at the club. What were your um, first impressions? Yeah, it was quite a cold uh, morning arriving at Manchester Airport and the MD around me, Matt Stanley picked me up in his Nissan van and I got in there 
and as me chatting away, driving back to Burnley, um, I don't think the, the clouds were higher than the top of, of the, the change room at the time. And uh, we drove into, into Lower House, and it was a grim, grim Manchester morning. It was a grim Burnley morning there, and I got there. And the first impressions was, uh, was getting to the ground and, and seeing Bob, I think it's Bob Spencer, because he's painting the railings at the club. And, and that was quite special for me to see that the guys are actually so keen for the season to get going. Because if I remember correctly, that Friday was the Easter Friday when we had those games with all the, all the youngsters around the club and we had the four or five different pitches. And it was like, what struck me, early doors was quite a community club and a community-based club, which I really enjoyed. And I could see there's a lot of passion from, from the members of the club to actually be part of the system. You know, you hear all these things and you see these things on social media. But to experience it first and that Friday um, was brilliant for me to actually become part of the Lower House family. I think that's a, a really good point, Corpus, and one that we haven't discussed on the podcast before, but the pros usually come in and around the Good Friday, Easter, Easter weekend. So it is a good way for them to see what the club's like and meet all the different, different people that, that are involved. Bled, so can you remember anything about Corpus when he first arrived? I don't know whether we had, did we have some food down at Crowwood, the, one of the first uh, meetings we had Corpus? I can't remember. I think we, I think we had some food down at Cro- down at Crawford at one stage, just after yeah, you arrived. I first met you uh, and most of the guys that Thursday evening when I arrived. We had some yeah. sort of practice there. It was freezing yeah. cold. I remember that we couldn't really move up, move our feet or our hands weren't working. But that's our <laughs> first meeting. And then, and I think you're correct. We went down to Crowwood just to meet the guys and to get the membership sorted. And we had some food there. Yeah. Well, it was a Saturday after the Friday, and then we spent a bit of time there getting involved and, and obviously meeting all the people there, which was quite special. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I, I, I think we should know, Blaz, I don't know if you, I don't know if we, if you can remember, were we in the old changing rooms then, or the new changing rooms? For sure, the old changing rooms. <laughs> that yeah. was very old. That was the transition <laughs> season. Yeah. They had some wonderful character, though. Uh, but they were freezingly cold. Myself and Blaise were stuck behind the door in the little, little yeah. uh, corner there. I remember that. Yeah. I think from from memory, I think we there was a there was definitely a hole in the door. Yeah, I guess yeah. put that. Through. Yeah, I guess definitely put that through. Yeah, I and then I, he, I've a, I'm fairly sure I finished it off, Blaise. <laughs> <laughs> Angry Paddy, no. Well, Angry Paddy will be discussed today, Blaise. <laughs> um, the plaster was definitely coming off the wall near where Corbus was sat. Yeah. Um, Three years of Francois, that's going to happen, isn't it? <laughs> uh, remember, our, our chairs weren't great either. The bottoms were coming out of our chairs, but we survived. <laughs> well, we had those wooden, we had those wooden chairs with a sort of for imitation leather, leatherette, 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 leatherette. <laughs> that had all they'd all split. Mine was always saturated. Let me sit next to the sink. Um, <laughs> that used to leak and only used to give you cold water. It was always freezing in there. I'm pretty sure the light was hanging off after Joe Hawk tried to head it. Yeah, uh, just just grim. I think for someone who came from such nice clubs in South Africa, I think that was <laughs> a, a real eye opener. Um, I think uh, it was an eye-opener, but I reckon in my playing years in the UK, there was one worse change room than that. It was the visitors' <laughs> change room. It was the visitors' change room at Fleetwood Cricket Club. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> they were literally frying fish and chips right next to the change room and the smells <laughs> were coming through the top and there wasn't a lot of space, but we survived. <laughs> Fishy fleet, what they call it. <laughs> Just I on think... a side note, Blaise, this isn't a jab at your progressing age, but do you remember moving into those change rooms? Because I don't know when it was. No, it, I think it was... 1860s. No, just before, probably 1960s when the uh, when the old pavilion changed. You, you see some of the oh, see some of the photos on the website. The 1970s. It was there the, without the West End room on it. Right. Was that your off season then? Where you yeah, the probably. Off? Probably. You know, doing my national service during those years, Paddy. <laughs> <laughs> It was a very cold start to the year. And our first game was against Church. Now, we were obviously really confident for the year. We just signed a, a brand new professional who came with brilliant stats. I would say the players at that time were at the top of their game. Everyone was contributing. The youngsters, the, the youngsters were they, that we'd had in 2001. So, sorry, 2011, 2012 had grown up a little bit, haven't they? In yeah. terms of matured and knew what they were doing. Yeah, I think that we would have we would have been maybe eighteen or eighteen, nineteen, 19 twenty, were twenty yeah. at the yeah. time. I think I was certainly at university, the second year of university, so I'd have been twenty. Yeah. We played a couple of friendlies, Corbus. Can you remember what you thought of the team? Any particular standout players? Yeah, my my thinking going back to that was um, obviously the first and I seeing the guys and seeing the, the the culture around the club and things. I was super excited and super ex impressed in terms of the quality of players that we had. But if you remember correctly, we were very poor in our preseason friendlies and in our first two, first two, three games. I remember the season, the structure was quite funny how we played, um, not home and away, we played sort of uh, church very early in the season, both games. And I think we lost both, if I'm not mistaken. And we lost against Ram uh, and Rottenstall in between on that game we never should have played. We only started like four o'clock. Yeah. And came and Brett Felser beat us. And we were, we were poor, you know. We played against that one um, side from, from Manchester. I can't remember the name. In a, in a friendly. We were also poor. And I remember in that same change rooms after the, the second loss against Church, um, I don't want to run the whole podcast ahead, but um, Blaise put us down there and that was the first time he really spoke and he spoke quite hard words and he said that what we're doing is not good enough and um, that sort of changed the whole system where we went from from there because that time it felt like for me from coming outside I know the wickets were difficult and the conditions were tough but we were just not gelling as a team at the time I think it was quite new and and that was a thing that stand out for me how we turned it around from that poor start to have the, the unbelievable run and I think I remember correctly Blaze's words there we just said that's not what Lower House stands for. And, and the way we played, especially the second game against Church, we were just going through the motions. It was almost, myself also, I, I bowled terrible my second spell there and we went for, for six and over at the time. And if you look at end of the year stats compared to the start, we were just not, we were just not there. You know? and, and I think that was a massive culture change for us and a collective decision to be better, you know, and to be better as teammates and, and as Lower House first team cricketers. And that was a big change for me after a, actually a bizarre start in terms of our warm-up games and our first three, three games. We lost the first three of six games that season. Uh, we lost, as you said, both games against Church. Uh, Levi scored a century in the first game. 
and then you were hit for six in uh, off the last ball in the <laughs> into the road. You're right. Didn't happen uh, it, a lot. There's not a lot of guys who can say they got it right, but it did happen. <laughs> and uh, the the other thing I remember from that second church game was Finchy. After we'd gone through everything that Blizzard said, how we were trying to be better, and Finch just said, "But Corbus, you just got a ball short there." <laughs> and that, that rip. But you are right from the culture did change from there. And I think that we then started to think more like a professional outfit. Certainly that's we started changing the warm-up because I, I think we just I think we played football before that, but then we had a really structured warm-up and, and sort of fielding drills as well. Uh, and I think Bless was quite a big part of that as well. Can you remember the thinking behind it, Bless or no, it was a bit strange, wasn't it? That's, we just struggled at the top of the order. We just didn't get runs quickly enough, did we, in that first sort of five, six games? You know, although you look at some of the scores, they were all, all, I mean, the first game against Church, we ended up getting, I don't know. We got 2 5 3. Did we? Well, yeah, but we should have got, but, we should have got a lot more. I can remember. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, the wicket was, you know, it was dead and nice. It just came on nice and. We just didn't get enough. And we did that the first five or six games. We were just trying to find the right tempo for the for the innings, you know, and against different oppositions on different tracks. And I know that the, we had a bit of rain the second game and the wickets changed, don't they, with the weather during the week. But we, we just couldn't find the right tempo somehow. And we just kept going through the motions, going through the same sort of thinking process where... You know, we needed to change it up sometimes and make sure that we attacked a little bit earlier at the top if we needed to, because we were batting all the way down to. We ended up with yourself and Fergus sometimes batting at ten and eleven. Well, we could, you know, they all got Lancashire League fifties, and it just, you know, we just seemed to be pondering around at the beginning of the the innings when we had batting all the way down to eleven. So it was a case of a reset, wasn't it, after those defeats, and certainly after that church second defeat. Yeah, very much so. And at that stage, we had, I would say, 13 quality cricketers. Yeah. But at the same time, there were lots of issues going with that. In the, Ben was banned. He, he got banned for a, a, a game, I think. Johnny Whitehead was injured. Yeah. He'd, he'd done his groin and he had to do a, a late fitness test with Nigel Brown. Um, I, can remember yeah. them, I, can, I can remember them jogging up uh, Liverpool Road towards what? Sycamore Farm. Uh, wait, Johnny, wait. <laughs> yeah, he's fit. He's fit. <laughs> so that obviously created a, a few issues in itself, finding where to um, put people in. Finch was obviously then available. He missed the first few games. Yeah. Um, so trying to find the right balance of where people should go and, and where people should fit in that batting order, I think, took a little bit of time to do but I think we did eventually we did eventually get it right in the midst of those those first six games we did have a really big win against Todmorden where they had Michael Nesser as pro and yeah. uh, bless you got 40 odd that that day but again we probably came up short we were all out for 170 and they probably looked like they were going to win it until um, Corbus came up and got their pro out uh, with a really big wicket can you remember anything yeah. from that game Corbus? Um, if I remember correctly, Michael Nesser came in and he played like very um, freely. He had a lot of boundaries early doors in his innings. He was striking the ball like it was an old ball. And um, I remember coming back from the, I usually bowled from the park in my, uh, I mean from the car park in from the 
clubhouse in my first spell and then usually I came back from the park in second spell. Um, and I remember when I got him out, uh, it sort of opened the gate and there was a bit of hope from us. And um, I just remember getting a couple of wickets there because the ball was starting to tail back uh, late in the afternoon there. And they were under pressure there and obviously hitting them. Um, LBW and Bolt after Messrs. Wickets would open the gap for us. I think they they were cruising. They thought the game were open over. And I remember um, Sutcliffe, of his son, and the captain, they were walking around the field as if they, they won it already. They had the left-handed opening batter also was a good player. And they were like walking around the wicket, around the, around the pitch there. And the game was sort of in the pocket for them. And we managed to change it off the Michael Messrs. wicket um, with a couple of early wickets there. And that was quite a special... Um, Looking back at photos now that uh, that I've seen on the website and things, that sort of brought us as a team together because we were down and out again, and it sort of changed. And the way we celebrated and the way we got together there, I think, was massive in terms of the turnaround for us going in the right direction for that season. When I looked at that game, although we did, although we did lose the the next game against Church, it was a rain effect game and they won by one wicket. The Church game, that Todmorden game, certainly got us going and getting us in the right sort of frame of mind and how we were going to prog- uh, progress forward. Pat, you haven't said anything um, yet. Um, do you have anything to say about these, those, that first six games? Yeah, from what I can remember, very little. <laughs> uh, no, I'll go straight to the Todd game because we were just talking about that. Games like that are always good momentum shifters, aren't they, really? So they can get a team going in the right direction when it's a close game or a game that you get a bit out of jail of. But I think you just it's always going to be a struggle when the weather was like it was. It's so unpredictable as to what the wickets are going to be like, how they're going to perform. But, yeah, that game at Todd really changed things around. It's just a shame Corbus didn't get his five wickets that day. I reckon my granny could have caught that with, with her eyes closed, but Perry managed to miss it. But it happens. Yeah, it, it was really... Really windy that day. Who did, you, who did you drop? Who did you drop there, P? I don't, was it the pro? <laughs> I, can't I can't remember. It was as bad as the Phil Hayes one, were it, buddy? No, it was sad. It was uh, quite possibly pleasure. It was sad. Because Opie got him out of ball later, I think. I think there was another one that season against Nelson. We didn't bowl them out. But we can come on to that later. Where you dropped, <laughs> you dropped a court and bowled, I think. Sorry. Sorry, P. Um, I mean, you've never dropped one, have you, off me? Uh, well, jeez. I'd have 700 wickets if you had. Hey, Blaise, these things happen, don't they? Occasionally, not, Joe. Only occasionally for you. I'm not Alan Not. <laughs> not Alan Partridge, you'd be out stumped. <laughs> so, after that church game, we changed a few things. We changed the warm-up. We then went, unbelievably, we went on a 19-game winning run. Started with the Cone game where we got 270 and sort of just progressed progressed from there. Corbus was coming into his own. Uh, he was starting to understand the, the wickets, uh, certainly when he was bowling. Probably didn't quite get to grips with the bat as, um, as we might have hoped, but the wickets were soft and we just kept bowling people out. Uh, Ted, the second half, second half of the season, we just, we just didn't let Sides get any runs, did we? So, you know... I think nobody, hardly anybody batted. Yeah. And we were only, we were only chasing scores of 100, 110, 120, 130 for the rest of the season. They were the maximums. And we, we chased some really low scores, didn't we? Yeah. I mean, I think for five weeks, we were finished by half past five. Yeah. 
consecutive. Yeah. We bowl Rami out. We bowl Rishton out. I'm just going to go to probably the important game in that in that in that start after after the Kong game. We played uh, Burnley. Always an important game, Blaise. Huh. Because usually it gets doesn't matter how you're playing at the time or it's just how it is on the day. I think they had a few, uh, they had a few of the stars playing. David Brown was playing and obviously Holty was pro. But we did manage to ball them out. Corbus, can you remember anything from that game? Was that the game at Burnley? Yeah, the game at Burnley. Yeah, I remember that. I think what they said now about the low scores were definitely quite relevant in that season because. After our start, we had, I think we were quite ruthless as a, as a bunch and we realized that we had to make good decisions to get results because we were sort of behind the pack after the first um, first sort of three, four weeks of the season. And um, that made our thinking change. I remember we were, we won a toss, we were to bowl first and to be sort of ruthless was the word that we used and it came to mind for us there in terms of points and in terms of chasing as little scores as possible. And that was the same there. I think I remember um, uh, Yorker that I bowled to David Brown Early doors got the wicket that got us going. Um, and for some reason, I know the rivalry between the two clubs, and it's brilliant. And I got mates who played there over the time, and it's great to have two such strong clubs in the Lancashire League in, in one town. And for me, for some reason, I always enjoy playing against them. I think it got the best out of me personally. Looking back at stats, my two seasons with you guys, um, my games against Burnley are definitely standout games in terms of my personal performances. And, and that was, was always good to, to play against them and to measure yourself. And I think that was a big thing for us in terms of, of beating them convincingly there after we sort of changed things around and to sort of have that belief that if we can be that star-studded side that, at their own, own ground, at their own turf, uh, there's not really anyone else that we should be worried about. We can just go from strength to strength. And uh, we all chipped in. I remember it's always tense games and there's always a bit of verbal abuse on the side and things. But that's brilliant, and, and that's that's what makes um, amateur cricket in the Lancashire League so special to have close to, I don't know what the exact numbers is there, but it's always a good crowd there. Lower House and Bernie play. And, and that's the thing that, that I will certainly remember, and I think that's the thing that you guys are still there uh, live for every season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this was, I would say, your one of your best all-round performances. Six for 22 or 14 overs, and then so was home with 40 on and out. One shot in particular I can remember is you pulling uh, Cole Heyman uh, off your nose for uh, one bounce four to get us closer to um, the finishing line. The other thing I can remember, Cole bowled really quick that day and Finch, uh, Finch up, opened the batting. And I can just remember him on maybe the first or second ball emitting him straight back, straight back over his head for a one bounce four. And when he came in, I said, Finch, that were amazing. How did he? he went, I don't know, I had my eyes shut. <laughs> <laughs> Typical Finch. <laughs> of Cole Hammond. Cole Hammond is definitely as quick as an amateur bowler that, that most guys have faced. He's definitely about close to 90 clicks at times. Sometimes the, the action might have been a little bit sceptical. <laughs> in terms of the action outcome, it was quite sharp at times. Oh, yeah, right. absolutely. Very quick. But that was a great win. Pete, do you have any thoughts on that win and the kind of start from um, there? Well, I can remember being uh, either next in or next but one and not, not looking forward to that. Um, I think there was me, Charlie and Fergus left. And obviously Charlie did not really bothered, but me and Fergus just sat there shaking. Luckily, we didn't need to go in. They're always great games, aren't they, against Burnley more often than not. They're either really close or someone absolutely batters it someone. So, close day, that one. Luckily, we came out on top. But a strong all-round performance from your prawn, that's what you really pay them for, isn't it? To win them 
to win you some games where the amateurs struggle. I think, as I said, that was one of Corbus's best performances for me, and it really highlighted that we had a high quality performer. And I think after, and I think after that game, we really got in our stride and we started playing really well. Welcome to Stories with Stan. Talk about Higgy if we get if we get the chance. But Higgy, another one, the funniest guy I've ever played with in the chain. Brian has eight thousand Lancashire League runs under his under his belt. Second in the all-time charts for lower house run scorers. He's a couple of dozen ahead of me, although he did play two hundred games more. Now, of course, Brian's still watching. He's in his seventies. He watches us. I'll never forget the tears rolling down his face when the cup was presented in 2004 to Matthew. And he's one of my best pals. And he means a lot to me. He means a lot to Law House Cricket Club. But that won't stop me from having a bit of a laugh. As a wicketkeeper, Brian's forte was stood back the leg side catch. It was more than adequate stood up, but the leg side flying catch was his speciality. In those days, once the ball had passed the batsman's backside, most wicket keepers would watch it go down to long leg. We played with long legs in those days. If Ben Heap and Francois Harsbrook are listening, you might want to try that these days. Because a long leg on the boundary edge can stop four buys or five wides. The modern genre, long legs aren't, aren't often used. Uh, I think, Jez, when you were captain, if some bowler said, I don't want a long leg, who can we put there? You'd probably have said, I've solved that problem. You can go and feel there because you're not bowling. Brian had a very acrobatic style with this leg side catch. As I say, the ball would pass on the leg side, sometimes quite wide because there were no leg side wides in those days and you had to bowl a monster of a wide to be given a wide. And Brian would run and dive, arms outstretched, and catch the ball three to four feet off the ground, entirely parallel to the ground. And it was almost as though time stood still for a couple of seconds as he took this catch. There was no momentum. The ball hit his gloves. He's levitating off the ground. And then it was almost as though somebody pressed fast forward and he just crashed to the deck. Catch held. Noise recorded at Jodrell Bank. A couple of the tallies had flicked round in the scoreboard because of the, the resonance. And we all absolutely rung to him, patted him on the back. Modest as ever. Brian would say something along the lines of, and he'd stand there, his cap had gone skew with, he'd have mud and dust in his moustache. Something along the lines of, no problem, lads, I had it covered all the way. The next game that I want to discuss is the Enfield game at home. Again, the weather had been terrible, and they had Werner as pro. Great off-spin bowler, always tied you down. Uh, and the kind of notable thing that I remember from this game, Bless, is that you batted at 10. So we were we were sort of like what we were eight eight for fifty four, weren't we? Uh, yeah. And it it was one of the, one of those days where you know, Stanny and Charlie's, you know, always when we lose quick wickets, it was to get you know one of our more more defensive batsmen into the order, wasn't it? In, in that sense, you know, sort of like sometimes, yeah. So sometimes promote yourself, Joe and Fergus, sometimes, <laughs> and then Paddy, and it was to try and sort of like. 
spread out myself, Orky, Charlie, and try to get ourselves back in the game by batting batting balls rather than trying to score runs and to get to halfway, you know, maybe for, for four or five down rather than try and go guns blazing and then having to do that at the back end. So I think we'd promoted people above where we wanted to be at, at any at that stage, hadn't we? Mm, yeah. Can't um, quite understand how Declan got in front of me in that game of things. It didn't sort of like, you know, the flashing blade going into to play dot balls work wasn't... He did all right though, bless that day. He, I did think. Brilliant. he, did, he did brilliantly. But, you know, if you're going off that sort of <laughs> rationale of why, why we changed the batting order, uh, then I just found the scorecard as well, Bled, and Orky went in before you as well. Yeah. <laughs> now, no, I think I actually remember why was that I think this was the first season that you could that there was a reduction in overs that pe- uh, that people could bowl. I've only just remembered this now, but I think we were waiting for Werner to finish his overs because they thought they were going to bowl us out. Yeah. Um, yeah, possibly. So we're waiting for Werner to bowl out and to send Bled in. Yeah, and he had a fantastic partnership with Deck, and another great partnership in the cup as well later on. I think, I think that, yeah, I think we'd sort of like obviously you know the plan had gone awry a little bit because Werner still had quite a few overs left when I went out to bat, and I think we just decided that between myself and Declan that I'd take Werner and let Declan bat at the other end and try and try and get. Uh, Declan's confidence up in in that way rather than to try and think about smashing Werner, which wasn't necessarily the greatest thing to do on that pitch. And we, yeah, it worked, it worked well. I mean, Deck batted extremely well that day. And I think at that point we thought we were going to get a good player for years to come. Unfortunately, you broke his finger in a warm-up, Les. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we probably, won't dis- we probably won't discuss that bit. A bit of a shame that the overs were restricted to the bowlers because I'd have really enjoyed watching Corbus bowl 25 every weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already I'm... down from six foot three to six foot one. I would have been fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you'd have really enjoyed 50 over weekends. And again, we, bought, we, we restricted them really well. Fur got their pro out. LPW that was a very thick inside edge. It was an out, and Adam Bracewell was, it was mad. <laughs> but again, you need that sort of look when you're going to win, when you're going to win leagues. Obviously, I didn't appeal, Blaz, because I didn't think it was out. You have to take every pro's LBW with a, like it's Christmas, don't you? Because you very rarely get them, do you? Yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. <laughs> um, and I'm glad we've discussed LBWs because that'll sort of lead us on to another LBW later in the season. <laughs> so again, a massive win. We're now on a bit of a roll, being really confident. But as Corbus alluded to early in the podcast, it was a really strange season. It wasn't sort of split. So you didn't play everybody once and then everybody again. It was a really strange split. So you ended up playing teams straight away, you know, maybe two or three weeks later. The next game was against Burnley at home. Again, a massive, a massive game because they picked probably their best team, except for maybe a couple of players at the time. And we were obviously going in with confidence. We had no deck at the time was playing well and Johnny was playing well. Can you remember anything from uh, the home game, Blaise? We batted first think, and got 200 I- off. Can't remember much about the batting, you know. I know we got a decent score against them. I can just remember the our bowling innings. It just sort of seemed like we got wickets after wickets after wickets. You know, we got on a roll and just just bulldozed them right in the middle of the first ten overs. We just kept getting wicket every over. It seemed like or two wickets and over. You know, and they got to did they get to a hundred? And that was because 
big cold mate I got some near the end you know we had them sort of like again seven or eight for not very many at all yeah seven for 37 we had them for yeah I, I mean Ben batted really well in the first innings and some great and some great additions at the end of our innings with yourself and Hawkey and Deck batting really well but as you say the bowling innings Corbus I'll bring you in now can you remember what can you remember from that day in terms of our bowling innings I remember at home must have been that year that I that Chris Holt nicked off to you and he stood the first one and literally like two three balls after that he nicked it again mm. and we got him I remember I got him out sort of twice in the same game I can't remember who the umpire was but he stood uh, against the blatant nick and um, as Murphy's Law works he nicked one again that's a real one that I can really remember um, I would like to for you just to give us a bit of in, info in terms of the bowling card there I remember Matt Walker um, was swinging the ball also that day quite a lot also very late um, he had a very good season in 2014 and I thought obviously with his injuries um, I think he, he ticked all the right boxes to become a serious figure just a pity he got injured with his knee thing about Maz, I mean he only bowled five overs that day but yeah, I remember he was swinging it a, swinging a lot the thing about Maz was that he was a, a fighter I love playing cricket with Matt because you knew that he would always give 100% and he would fight till the end I will just go through the figures Hawkey took four for 23 off nine Corby took three for 14 off five Matt was none for 19 off five Ferg none for 12 off six Pat, you were two for 24 off seven and Ben took one for 13 off three. But there was a, a middle spell that Blaise alluded to where Corb and Hawkey just sort of blew through their top order. That game, Corb bowled extremely well. Hawkey bowled really well. And at that point, I would say, I started yeah, yeah. to think that um, Pat, you bowled all right. Um, <laughs> at that point, I would say, I was really starting to think that we were going to go and win the league. I didn't think that we were going to win it quite as emphatically as we did. But things just started to gel then. I think the quality of the players that we had and just how the group was coming together. Uh, started, was really... We started hammering sides, didn't we, really? Yeah. You know, proper proper drilling them. You know, not, not sort of, you know, getting in close games. We had, you know, maybe one or two close games after that. But more often than not, we were just absolutely drilling sides. I think with the... Um fact that we did have a settled 13 sort of thing out as well didn't it that there weren't yeah. masses of changes every week so having no. a settled side doesn't really help especially in league cricket where you can get a couple of wins and you're on an ass running it's yeah it's good to but get I, going you know i've said it i've said it a lot through you know the bits that we've we've discussed of past of past seasons it's about getting once the confidence is up less thought needs to be taken you know it just you know, one game seems to follow the next game and you don't appear to have done anything massively different from that first six weeks, but then everything just sort of starts on the bandwagon and everything just keeps going downhill and you just you just steamroller inside. It was it was a brilliant back end of the season to play because it just you just never thought you were gonna get beat. Uh, I'd agree with you on that, Blaz. At no point during that run did I ever think we were gonna get beat. And through the Cups runs in the semi final of Words of the Cup and then when we got to the final of the T20 as well. I just didn't, you were right, I didn't think we were going to get beat. Welcome to Stories with Stan. 1985, we're playing at Nelson. Brian's got four victims. The professional courtiers had, who could be a grumpy old soul, he's on five wickets, 
So Higgy's one victim off a collection. Curtis one victim off a collection. The ground's absolutely packed. They probably have taken each the modern day equivalent of something like 300 quid. Up goes the ball, Curtie bowls it, up it goes, a big, almighty big hit, but the ball goes straight up in the air for miles. It's dropping between Curtie and mid-off. It's a bit of a hesitation who's going for it. One or two other fielders are converging on it. Then all of a sudden you hear, mine, and Higgy comes running from outside, from the back of the sticks, running down the pitch. Elbowing, pushing people out of the way. He's having that. He's having fifth catch. He told me later he could hear people reaching into the back pocket for the collection. He gets he gets to the ball, but his arms are outstretched. It's not quite a dive, and unfortunately, the ball goes straight through his hands. And to make matters worse, he's mid stride, and as the ball hits the deck, Higgy half volleys it into the half follows it into the bowling green wall everybody is dumbstruck courteous ad doesn't doesn't know what to say i'm i'm i think i'm the captain that day i'm stuck with my hands on my hips trying to take it all in some are giggling trying to suppress it others are equally dumbstruck then higgy turns around obviously feeling a bit sheepish simply said i had to go for it Nobody else wanted it. And as he said that, there's a trail of bodies down the wicket that he stepped on, trampled over and pushed to one side to get there. Another game that I'd like to mention that was a Lancashire Cup game. But I, I mean, I really strongly dislike that cup, bless. But it was a game against Hayside quite early on. <laughs> <laughs> first time I've ever seen a professional barracks. Yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> but by the opposition captain that was <laughs> sat on the top side. So Corbus, Corbus had bowled, he was putting his jumper back on. I would say when, after Corbus had finished bowling, he was always slightly lethargic <laughs> in how he went to put his jumper back on and his attitude to fielding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> great fielder never saw him drop a catch except for this one and the reason for it the re yeah exactly the reason for it was because his jumper was over his face <laughs> at the time and he had his cap in his hand um he managed to get his hands on it but dropped it and then their captain and their players started barricading him from the sidelines <laughs> which made corbus extremely angry threatened to hit people on the heads and stuff like that <laughs> and we were I mean we were we were bowling them out really cheaply and their captain came out and walked to Chaz and apologised <laughs> <laughs> was that was that the game when Shady from Scotland was the pro side yeah. yeah yeah I remember that too I was guilty I should have got my jump on earlier <laughs> <laughs> I made a mistake but uh, there was no reason we didn't have a go from the side do you remember the Aslinden game Joe are we are you going to mention that Aslinden game the Haslinden game away, Blez. Yeah, when we bowled bowl them out for just over 100. And yeah. I, I don't know who got the... We were... It was one of those... We must have been 50, 50 odd for two, something like that. So me and Charlie were just getting ready for a shower, thinking there's no chance we're going to be needed. <laughs> and then it all went, it all went pear-shaped and we'd lost like three wickets in no time. So Charlie had to put his pads on. Again, we got, we got up to about... 
80, 80 for six, something like that, chasing 100. There were no chance of us losing the game. I was padded up, Declan was padded up. And I think Declan was padded up to go after me. And then we got down to needing 15 or so. So I said, Declan, you go in. I said, but there's one thing for sure, Declan. If I have to bat, there's going to be trouble. So <laughs> go out there and make sure you see us home. He had a wild swipe at once, second ball. I don't know whether he got bowled, but he, he was just, you know, not, not listened to a word I'd said. So I had to walk out and bat with Orky. And that's when Orky hit that last ball, smashed it over the top and went, ta-da! <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, I've forgotten he'd done that. Wasn't that, the game when, wasn't that the game when Brendan Parchman got the LBW and he was yeah. having that go with the umpire in, in proper West Indian? Yeah. What yeah. did again? What kind of stumps you playing with? <laughs> I mean, to be fair, the uh, LB hit him on his chin. Um, <laughs> I don't like this that you go against us all the LBW shots shit. <laughs> but that's the thing but that was the thing about the league at the time well still is I guess we their pro had been given out LBW so it was absolutely 100% nailed on that you were going to be given out LBW for anything yeah. that hit your pads I was walking around at the time as I, as I usually do and I was stood side on and that one must have hit you on your hip and, <laughs> yeah. Finger went straight up. No qualms about it. That was out, apparently. Do you know, I'd forgotten that. I'd forgotten about that, bless, about the whole thing. <laughs> Ta-da! Ta-da! He came, he came out, didn't he, and said, I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we just sort of, I mean, we just carried on. We just carried on hammering teams from there. And, and I don't really, I mean, I don't really like saying it, but we did. There was... They were kind of really nondescript games. Well, it was strange. Time, I, think. I think we played. We played Bake Up. Did we play Bake Up away? Or was it away when they got at home when Farringer got a hundred? Was that at home? Oh, home that place. Home. Yeah. And he got. They got. They didn't get that many for saying that their opening batter got hundred. Hundred and eighty, maybe hundred and ninety, possibly something like that. One eight four. Right, and I think Charlie and Ben just went ballistic, didn't they? they just Seventy odd and. 90 odd. You just one of them games where you thought we've let Baker get, they were near the bottom, we've let Baker get 180. Their pro, was it Hasib, their pro that year? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, a decent bowler, weren't he? You know, not the greatest. You know, didn't look like he were going to get hundreds of runs every time he batted, but you know, all right, but very good bowler. You thought if he gets on a roll, we, we're in with a chance. Johnny gets out early. And then Ben and Charlie just flogged them all over. We were, again, it were another 25 overs, 25 overs or so to beat them. Yeah. Um, I mean, the 36 overs. Right. Ben got Sorry. 90-odd. No, it's all right. Yeah. Les got na- um, ben got 90-odd. Jack's got 70-odd. Remember that game as well? Because I think Johnny wasn't yeah. struggling, but not getting his big scores that he usually gets. And he absolutely smashed, he absolutely smashed um, Dave Warren. First as second ball, I yeah. think. Of, of his and he hit it so hard their fielder at mid on hit his hand and popped up and caught it <laughs> if it had been scoring runs every week that would have gone for a one bounce four and it, Johnny scored his runs that year as well so it, and did really well but I can remember that game but Chaz just said right I'm right I'm going to open batting <laughs> got a 70 yeah. odd he batted <laughs> so well I can remember him yeah. driving their pro through the covers before absolutely um, I do remember their pro as being a phenomenal player of spin though <laughs> <laughs> Go on, B. Talk me through that. Did you get him uh, out twice? I might have got him out that day. 
Yeah. <laughs> Caught and bold, actually. I think it may have been the day Blaise said it. Uh, Blaise. Jez said it was the best catch he'd ever seen. That one you don't dive right across. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Then, that's the same season that I dropped one that was underarm to me and caught that one. <laughs> Which perhaps says a lot about that. But I can remember from that day, we were really sort of poor and slow in the field. We didn't bowl particularly well, I don't think. I mean, we did all right, but it, we'd been bowling teams out for fun and that game we were just a little bit slow off the mark. I think we bowled well at Tim early doors and he'd, he'd struggled, hadn't he? And then he just went, you know, he just got into his stride a little bit. And it's, it's happened a few times during that season, didn't it? That, you know, like he's an opening batter, but there were a few times where players who'd not normally got runs against us or lower order batters and got runs against us. It just seemed a bit strange, you know, we'd blow away the top order sometimes. Then we'd struggle with seven, eight, nine, ten. A couple of times he came back to bite us, particularly in that, that next period of the semi-final of the Cup, the the 2020 final, probably where we didn't obviously win more than what we did with the league. We just struggled at just dislodging batsmen that we normally had no problems with. I don't, I'm not 100% sure why that happened. No, I don't know. Cole, what do you think? Yeah, to the back end, I think sometimes we, when we were so far ahead of the game, we sort of switch off. And then, yeah. let's say, sometimes we didn't manage to finish off games which you would like to. Um, I can't really put my hand to it, but I think it's a little bit of complacency also that creeped in there because we were playing such good cricket. That thing sort of just happened and we were just we were just better than the other guys around us at the time. And I think our belief was so strong, but I think complacency is the right word there. Just not yeah. We sort of felt like we could have finished guys off a little bit more. We were almost expecting it to happen without really putting a, maybe a, not a lot of thought, but a lot of energy into it. We just thought, all right, well, we've got too many for them anyway, so they're going to struggle to... This guy's not got runs against us before. He's going to chip one up or he's going to... We're going to bowl a, a decent bowl at him that's going to that's going to dislodge him. And a couple of times, it just came back to bite us in that, those cup competitions as opposed to the league. Again, maybe, maybe it's the fact that Corbus was bowling so well and putting them under so much pressure during the league games that when it came to 10 overs, trying to spell, spell our bowlers, spell our sort of most attacking threats and, you know, bowling three or four overs at the beginning, then bring them back, then bring them back again. And perhaps if we'd have gone for the throat earlier on, we might we might have won both of those games yep. by bowling the sides out. It's a great, great point that you make there, Blaz. And the, the game that I'm going to use as an example is the Nelson game at home where we got 250. Hawkey got 60-odd that day. Corby got 40-odd. But Hawkey hit some massive sixes in that last yeah. over against Tomo. But they finished 204 for nine. Just didn't quite finish it off. You know, Meadie got, Meadie got 50 that day. Yeah, he got, 60, he got 69, batting at nine. Incredible. When you look at the scores towards the back end of the season, there were people who got runs against us that, that never used to get runs against us, even when we were having porcies. They came back to... Not haunters in, in that sense, but causes problems when they, when they shouldn't have done. And I think it's something that still happens now a little bit, Bless. Yeah. Um, we do still yeah. switch off. When essentially the game is we switch off and don't quite. I know quite we've said that. We, we have said that a lot, we switch off. I'm not under. I can't. Who, who are we talking about switching off when we mention this? And sometimes I, I just nod and agree in, in, in the changing room. Who is switching off? Yes, sometimes we, we let something go through the field or, you know, we have a bit of a misfield or we drop a catch or does it come down to sometimes bowlers trying to do too much? Does it sometimes come down to bowlers trying to overthink what they're doing to the 
to the batsman. You know, as a batsman, everyone is a, you know, we're all batsmen. We all know that, you know, the worst thing you can do is try and do too much as a bowler and, you know, give people freebies. And I think sometimes we are a little bit prone to trying too much against batsmen that aren't as good as we think they are. I don't know, you, what do you think, Pete? As an amateur um, bowler. Well, that day I dropped him in the last over, so I can't say more. Yeah, but, that's, um, you know. I think even if you watch Test cricket, international cricket, there's the amount of times you see a ninth, tenth wicket partnership that's yeah. 20, 30, 40. Yeah. And you're talking about people with 500 Test wickets can't get them out. So yeah. I think it's just a bit of a sort of nuance of the game that happens quite regularly. A partnership. And if a team's, I think they were something like 100 for eight that day. Yeah. There's always going to be one partnership, and I think it just conveniently for them occurred at 103. If I can come in, yeah, I think important thing is that what I was trying to say now, obviously looking from the other side, from a coaching point of view, these things do happen. But I think the one thing that needs to stand out here is, is if that partnership goes at our rate, if you, if you talk, if you understand what I'm saying from a feeling point of view, and they don't take the game away, they're allowed to have a partnership, but it should just be at a controllable rate. That's very, very important. Yeah. I agree with Blaise, and I've also been guilty in my playing days, that your your baseball who gets out batter number one, two, three, and four shouldn't be any different for number nine, ten, and eleven. And sometimes as a bowler, you try and bowl them out, and you go straight in, you go fuller. And if you think about it, if you go fuller for a Yorker and you miss it, it becomes a less time more volume than any Tom, Dick, and Harry can need for a boundary. And I think that's where I fully agree with Blaise in terms of having the same principle and the same discipline towards the back end, uh, 9, 10, and 11, that you had up front to 1, 2, 3, and 4, sometimes get neglected. I do think that's, I do think that's right. When I talk about switching off players, I think it's more of a collective lowering of intensity. Yeah, I mean, that's going to that's gonna happen at 108 for 8, though, isn't it? You yeah, know, absolutely. It, you know, normally, you're expect, you know, most times you're expecting that to be over within two or three overs, aren't you? So you do you do relax a little bit and you do sort of, you do think, well, things are going to come to a close fairly quickly. And, and I agree, perhaps you shouldn't do, but like I think like Paddy says, that, that happens a lot in in first-class test, test match cricket. So it, that's something difficult to keep that intensity up at that stage, isn't it, really? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. When the win's essentially a foregone conclusion. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, Blaise, it's difficult not to switch off when you're feeling because you are literally that... stood in a field. Yeah. yeah. And you could have points where the ball <laughs> doesn't come to you for two hours. So, yeah. I mean, if you were just stood in your garden for two hours, you'd switch yeah. off. Yeah. <laughs> Which you probably shouldn't do, but you can't help it, can you? No, no. Just stand no, in there. Just... You know, it's just when we have these discussions or when we, you know, when we, when you sit in the dressing room and you say, you know, not that somebody's beat you, they didn't beat us, Nelson didn't beat us, but it's just frustrating, isn't it? And you say the first thing that comes into your mind that it's, you know, you've lost intensity. Well, yeah, you have because Richard Mead's got 60 and somebody else at number 11's got 20. You sort of do get frustrated. You do lose intensity when that happens. It's important, I think, to, to try and identify where that where that starts. And it, I don't think it starts with dropping the intensity in the field. It doesn't start with people relaxing, although it might do with in some senses. It's more to do with the plans that you have as a bowler or as a team coming together and saying to whoever's bowling, yourself or Joe or Corbus, and saying, look, let's just have a quick reset here. You know, when he's got to 20, he shouldn't be getting any more than this by us doing something different. We should go back to plan A, 
and you know defend if we need to defend against him. But like Cobra said, just slow the thing down, slow the slow his his progress down. Because from from memory, he got sixty, he got sixty, and and he was getting boundaries. You know, it were it wasn't. You know, we were perhaps too attacking in some ways try and get him out. I mean, the intensity thing doesn't help either, does it, Was When you look round and Johnny Whitehead's doing his press-ups on side, or <laughs> <laughs> Orky's spinning around at fan leg. No. <laughs> that win against Nelson started a, a, yeah, a very big period of games where we essentially steamroll teams. Yeah. We were home, for, we were home very early. Um, yeah, I wrote, I wrote some of those down, you know, just after, after the Worsley Cup defeat... And after the 2020 final defeat, and you're thinking, you know, are we, are we on the sort of cusp of, you know, imploding a little bit? Because they came very quickly after one another, didn't they? They came after one another very quickly, didn't they? During that part of the season, and things things could have gone wrong, but we just we just steamrolled sides after that, didn't we? You know, sort of. I wrote it. We got 139 again, which wasn't great. Then we bowled them out for 33. We bowled Nelson out for 67. We bowled Riston out for. 81. They were just straight straight away, you know, games that we'd won in the first innings. Yeah, it's a bit a bit like the old uh, wounded animal, weren't it? We had a bit more yeah, of a yeah. point to yeah. prove, I think. Yeah. But it could have been easily gone the other way, couldn't it? We could have thought, oh, we've lost that, we've lost that. What's the point? Yeah. Send more house to save the house.